Right, this is very much uh, going to be a shorter, oh. uh, never strays far from the Dauphiné podcast because it's take two <laughs> uh, in an inimitable fashion. Um, <laughs> it was a straightforward mistake, David. Don't say we haven't done it. Oh, no, we've all done it. <laughs> we've all done it. <laughs> exp- explain, explain what happened. I just ap- I apologise so much to <laughs> you and David right. and to the listeners because it's now going to be a shorter podcast. But yeah, yeah. I literally tempted fate because I came on and said about how we've moved on as a podcast and we're so professional <laughs> oh, the way we run well. things you now. Said that, yeah, because yeah. it had taken me. I was flapping around with my SD card, couldn't find that. <laughs> then needed new batteries, and Ned's always stressed about batteries because he changed them when they've got two bar and it only has three on the battery bar. Your headphones yeah. didn't work, and then we we, and we couldn't. We hear nailed this. So you had to leave the meeting. Got, and get that was in, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking to myself for ages, and then we nailed a really good thirty-minute podcast. Yeah, and well, I just looked well. up. It's all right. <laughs> and I, I really good like, compared to this I one. haven't seen the green bar on channel two, which my microphone's plugged into. Which actually plugged into channel one. Channels one. Channel one. And I was like, oh no. And then I just seen David's look and I was like, oh god. <laughs> so my microphone was plugged into channel two when channel well, one is So this is sh- take, do you know what? This is take two. Yeah. This is to the lesson of this is have all your microphone channels turned up and on the same and then you well, no. The, the lesson is just to li- like literally maybe check <laughs> as you're talking <laughs> that something's happening on the screen. <laughs> Anyways, it, it, was, it was really good. It, it, it was really good. The, yeah. the podcast. Yeah, can't remember what we talked about. Talked a bit about the Dauphiné. Don't want to talk about that anymore because no. uh, Jonas Vingegaard just killed it stone dead. Did you watch it today, Pete? We talked a bit about me watching it about <laughs> the last <laughs> week, but yeah. don't want to talk about that anymore. Don't want to talk. <laughs> well, yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? I yeah. said some stuff about Egan Bernal that I could say again. Well, I talked about Carapaz yeah. having a day of shame. A day of shame. It wasn't a day of shame. You don't like attacking and then getting dropped yeah. by the group. Yeah. Well, that wasn't cool. Then wearing a bucket hat on the podium. Yeah, we talked about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. No bucket hats on podiums. No bucket hats on podiums. Yeah. That is not Red, cool. Ned's retro breakaway. Yeah, the, yeah, Edward, 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 2018. Yeah, Edward Bosenhagen, Thomas de Ghent. Yeah, I, I'm seeing riders who, yeah, just aren't quite the. We didn't talk about Michael Björg crashing and in into the corner. He's carrying the weight of the yellow jersey, and it dragged him to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. One thing we didn't talk about, and it did indeed drag him to the ground. <laughs> We're recapping a podcast. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> oh, it's free, boss. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, just seeing a little. We've got a live feed that you can't see. There's Daniel Freib wearing a, a face mask. Yeah. yeah. And about to interview Egan Bernal. We did talk about Egan Bernal. I could recap some of the things I said about Egan You do Bernal. that. I'm going to make myself another coffee. All right. Well, Dave. <laughs> 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 well, David goes, uh, Pete, there was a moment there today, wasn't there, where Egan Bernal clipped off the front. And we, we, you, you, were, you were sort of like uh, wondering what he was doing, I guess, or kind of like thinking that's a bit. Yeah, I've seen it from a racing perspective in terms of you've got this group of, you know, all these GC guys who are, where Vinegar's just riding away from them yeah. effectively or maintaining a 30, 40 second gap going into the mountain days and mm-hmm. it just didn't make any sense to, to find yourself five seconds off the front of this group and just yeah going nowhere basically but you rightly said well I, I don't know I just I I mean so I don't know Egan Bernal especially well but I, I have met him on quite a few occasions actually once in particular was when I went to Colombia with Rendalero a few years ago and this is 
This was a year before he became a Tour de France champion. So this is in December 28. In fact, it was six months before he won the Tour de France, basically. Seven months. And uh, I spent quite a, a large chunk of one p- afternoon in particular with him. His English is outstanding for a young man. He was a really young guy back then. He was 19 years of age or 20. You know, just been signed from Androni Giocattoli. And I thought he was... He didn't know me from Adam, really, but I thought he was... Uh, had enormous amounts of humility, uh, was incredibly uh, engaging as a character, obviously intelligent, and um, just an all-round lovely bloke, to be perfectly honest. Um, He was also funny as hell, because I was in a state of total distress, having suffered from altitude sickness, (laughs) and I I was bleeding (laughs) from both nostrils, literally. It was just rolling down my... (laughs) Like uh, we were at 3,000 meters of altitude and I just finished a long bike ride and he didn't laugh at me. Instead, he said, yeah, when I come back from Europe, I get out of breath at home just walking upstairs, which was clearly not true. But he said it to make me feel better. Um, So I've built up over the years an impression of a guy who is thoughtful and humble, Egan Bernal. And then he goes and wins the Tour de France in the fashion that he did, where he don't forget how close to winning the Tour de France that year. Geraint Thomas was, yeah, and how in another version of that race, if it played out differently, he wasn't the winner of the Tour de France, Geraint Thomas was, and he had to wait, and he had to be told, now's your moment, and it was late, late on into the race, wasn't it, at that stage with the landslide, mm. now's your moment, go out and seize it, then he was deprived of his actual ride to victory and into but the yellow jersey. arguably, he wasn't told to go and get it, that was the kind of like, whoa, that's ballsy, he yeah. attacked yeah. when no one expected, even his teammates didn't expect him to go. Yeah, that's, so that's, he like, that's true. So he literally seized the moment. Yes. So that's what was pretty amazing about Egan Bernal and that Tour de France. Yeah, yeah, so there's a lot going on yeah. with his personality on a bike. That, that, that gets and it from- was very like the opposite of what Sky had done in the past, wasn't that's it? Very They'd never yeah. allowed the domestic or yeah. Yeah. yeah, lead yeah. domestic to actually attack and get up the road. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there was Poor G. then there was the Giro d'Italia. You know, two years later that he won, where a couple of a couple of moments at that Giro sort of stood out. And one was one was there was a finish on a gravel, an uphill gravel thing. I think it's where he took the jersey at the beginning, or was this? No, it was his first Grand Tour stage win. That's right, ever mm. was at that Giro, and he had. The way he attacked on these very steep slopes was almost kind of like, it was more sort of almost animalistic, brutal. It was like a Pogacar attack, actually. It was violent. And in a way that I hadn't sort of seen from him before. So I thought that that's that's the racer bit of Egan Bernal. But then the other bit of Egan Bernal was revealed when that, uh, that famous moment, I think it was on the stage that Dan Martin ended up winning, right? Can't remember now. But um, where, where his Giro... He, they were cracking him and his Giro was hanging in the balance because if he'd lost, if he'd really cracked on that climb, he could have lost the race. And Danny Martinez had to become his therapist, basically, his angry Colombian therapist, admittedly, alongside him. Uh, just basically telling him that it's all or nothing now. This is where you either relinquish the Giro or you you dig in and you win it. And he dug in and he won it. By which I want to say there has always been, I think, um, with Egan Bernal, a a slight psychological frailty that you don't see in Tade Pogacar. And you probably don't really see in Jonas Vingegaard, if I'm honest, and in a lot of other, and you certainly don't see in Richard Carapaz. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, where I think he is, I think he, he rides with a, a degree of self-doubt, uh, which even at his very best, when he was at his very best, was part of his psychological makeup that hampered him. 
and now he is a long, long way from his very best for 95% physiological reasons, but the missing 5% is a big black cloud of self-doubt, self which is totally understandable, but that character trait of his has been <coughs> exaggerated by the but physical position he finds I never it. really noticed that self-doubt thing. Sometimes even at Tour de France he won, I mean, the confidence and the, the arrogance he had, and every race he'd won to that point, he was attacking from like crazy, that was kind of his trademark. Was he's just sure. he was so like nuts when he won Tour of California. Every race he was going to, he was doing things, and everyone was like, "Oh no!" But he was doing it on the basis of extraordinary talent that was available yeah. to him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like I found myself found myself on this good. Mm. A bit like Vingegaard today. I'm, well, yeah. I'm here. I might as well push on. Yeah, you know, and dominate because he was it, super aggressive in that Tour de France he won. Like to the point, I can remember just the polemic it was building. Kind of, he was like that annoying teammate who wasn't doing what he was told. Is that how you remember it? Yeah. Well, I stand yeah. corrected in that case. It's yeah. not how I remember it, weirdly, but there we go. Anyway, what, what, we, what we're looking at is Egan Bernal in 2023 on this long journey back that he may never complete. And uh, I, just thought, I just thought it was quite a touching moment where he decided, yeah. I can do either one no, of you two are things. Right. I can do either one of two things here. I can either drift it to the back of this group with Guillaume Martin or I can just attack and see what happens. And he, he opted to attack. Don't be Guillaume. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, you are right. That leads me on to my last race that I did for Trinity, actually, where I was driving two Colombians back from the final stage to the airport. Um, oh, yeah? Hugo Rodriguez and Camilo Gomez. Tell us about that. And them. it was great. It's it's you just on a race, you're so busy and you, you barely have time to really catch up with the riders, especially if it's not around the race and just get to know them. And on the way back, honestly... The conversation was just flowing. You go on about Egan Bernal's English. Their English English is almost perfect to the point where you can have a really good flowing conversation. Two Brilliant. great guys, work ethic, so humble. Yeah. And they were just telling me about where they come from, their village, their families. Um, Hugo, is, his dad, has got 10 brothers and three sisters. Wow. And there's about 200 Rodriguezes who live in the village. Yeah. So I was at, then I was going on to like family parties and wow. you know just really getting to know about his culture really because it's just so different bear in mind they're just flown over here and just plonked into this mm. british team at this young age and he was like yeah for one birthday i think it was like his uncle's 50th or something they had uh, one cow 10 rabbits and a pig <laughs> for the brilliant. and it's just <laughs> it's yeah. brilliant isn't it yeah and i was just fascinated by these stories and i can see why randalero so oh yeah by the it country and yeah, it's 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 an it's an amazing country to visit. I really I can really recommend anyone who gets a chance to go there, to go there. I, uh, that, that rings a bell with me because I remember writing uh, an article for Rouleur uh, a few years ago about you know um, Tim, what's his name, Harris, and oh, Joss yeah. Ryan. Yes, and you yes. know them. Yeah, yeah. yeah their their place in Belgium where the riders go and stay. And for uh, for a year, they had an, uh, a little arrangement with Quickstep, with Patrick Lefebvre, that they would put up some of their Colombian riders, their young Colombian riders. And for a year, they had this um, climber called, I think it's Hugo Contreras, who's no longer racing. Um, and they had Fernando Gaviria stay in their house in Belgium when they just arrived in Europe. And um, Fernando Gaviria developed an absolute obsession because he'd never used one before with the, the lawnmower. 
and uh, <laughs> his the biggest thrill he got every every uh, pretty much every day was he'd come back to Tim during the summer and say, "Does the grass need cutting?" And Tim would say, "Yeah, I think it does again." <laughs> and he would uh, experiment with different patterns <laughs> on the lawn. <laughs> and Hugo <laughs> Hugo Contreras came from a part of uh, Colombia, again a peasant family, and that is not a disrespectful word to use. That is peasant culture, and that is how they identify. You know, they are smallhold farmers who are people of the country yeah well they, they it's a subsistence yeah. sort of living and they farm this you know small amount of land but his family farmed potatoes and uh his so does hugo's yeah same thing yeah potato farmers yeah. so the Con- same, yeah. contreras um came over to belgium and said to joss he said um can i have a because they've got quite a big back garden he said can i have a little bit of the of the garden here just because I, I'd quite like to grow some potatoes, <laughs> so they went. <laughs> no got, way. They went and got some seed potatoes, wow. and uh, he very excitedly sort of planted them out and everything. But things in Colombia, because it's a semi-tropical country, grow like a, if a seed falls onto the ground, a day later there's a tree. Like it's such it's <laughs> such a fertile country mm. in such perfect growing conditions, like the Belgium isn't right. <laughs> so he planted these potatoes, <laughs> and uh, he was just so upset that when he came to harvest them, he kind of pulled them out and they were like the size of a ping pong ball um, at best and slightly shriveled. Yeah. And then when when he went back to South America, Joss and Tim didn't have the heart to throw his potatoes out. Mm-hmm. So they were sitting on the windowsill like that. Contreras' potatoes just lined up. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that great? Uh, I think I, uh, I agree with you. I'm with Matt and you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, talking about the, the flavor of the food and stuff, like the avocados and bananas compared to what they have at home and the flavours, how different they are Yeah, yeah. in Europe. Taste of something. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Ned can give a snap review of the Netflix documentary that was released today. Well, Oh, it was released today, was it? Yeah. Yeah, I've watched the first seven minutes or something like that. And it's, but it's, it's made with um, a Netflix audience in mind. So quite obviously it has to start at the very beginning of trying to, educate people yeah as to what the tour de france is so for the first for the first minute or so it's all it is is the tour de france 21 stages but isn't it steve chanel that's doing that well it's all in french uh, that's quite interesting it's yeah. a french production, yeah, it's a french production it? which yeah. I, I like actually so they're focusing on french speakers french teams and all that sort of thing and the narration is there, yeah it's all in french pretty yeah, much pretty and much. then this guy pops up doesn't he yeah steve chanel yeah Who's like there seems to be their kind of narrator anchor figure. narrator, yeah. Who's got to do all the explaining of kind of like the thing is, it's a team where an individual wins. No, it's a competition where the individual wins, but it's all about the team and all this sort of thing. He's, saying and he's super French. animated, isn't he? Super animated, and he, he's called Steve Chanel, former professional cyclist. Yeah. I can't remember him. I mean, he's about your age. Yeah, he's about my age. Yeah, but younger, I think. So I look him up. Yeah. I'll look him up. So I've never done the Tour de France. And then it kind of like episode one focuses exclusively the first five minutes, six minutes on a quick steps decision as to whether oh, that or not was funny. whether or not Julian Alaphilippe would go to the Tour de France. Yeah, but it took us like 30 seconds to work out what language Patrick Lefebvre was speaking in. <laughs> They're like, Is he speaking in f- English? French? <laughs> Fl- just, Flemish? Yeah. And it, was like, it, had to, it took us like 30 seconds to get our ear tuned to his English. Because it was like... Oh, it was English. It was English, but it just but come it from French. Cause, and then it went into him, so you're kind of expecting it to be French. And then with his accent, it was like, couldn't, it literally had to kind of 
got our ears a bit closer and had to close our eyes and go, nope, it's English. Yeah. <laughs> I was, we, me and Lauren were on the flight to Ibiza, sat in front of a couple of Welsh girls who were just like going at it in Welsh, but every swear word would be in English. And I was like, Lauren was like, why do they keep swearing in English? And I was like, they're, they're, they're speaking Welsh. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> the swear words is better in English. Yeah. Go and tell that Steve Chanel. It's uh, coffee as was well. Was it a bit like that? Steve Chanel, he's coffee David. Not my ears, hey, though. Oh, oh no, 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 not your ears no. at all. So, uh, Steve Chanel, 39 years of age now, uh, retired in 2023. What? What? But he's what? riding cross, ah. cross team. So, uh, he rode for Uber 93, Buibox Buig Telecom, FTJ for two good years, team. AG2R, Coffee Dis. All go. the French teams. Oh, right. Was German. he a good narrator? Did he do the Netflix voice? He's doing fine, but he's not. He's not kind he's of like. He's Greg, not. He's not. A, a he's no, it's well, weird. He's David it? Miller. I couldn't do it like Pete he. Kenyuk. Yeah, I mean, he's he's, he's obviously he's got. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's Welcome a little bit kind of in Congress because he's not a, a media journalist and he's not a, a former Tour de France racer. No. He's kind of. Did, did he do the Tour de France? I don't think so. No, I think somebody remembers. Grand Tours. Me. No, he didn't. Race no, the Tour no, he didn't do Tour de France. They got a he former pro who's never done being like the expert on the Tour de France and who'd never ridden. Job application, <laughs> advertisement, narrator, and expert pundit on a huge Netflix documentary about the Tour de France. Send your CVs in, Steve Chanel. How many times? So, Steve, thanks for your application. Just checking. How many times did you race the Tour de France? Oh, I didn't race the Tour de France. Fine, you've got the job. <laughs> Perfect. What? <laughs> Um, <laughs> so, um, so anyway, I must so, have got the email. <coughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Got the email. <laughs> so anyway, but one of the first stories I deal with is the the big selection dilemma that Patrick, the facing Patrick Lefevre in twenty twenty two. Do I take the wounded world champion Julian Alaphilippe wearing the world champion? Do, do I take him, or do I give Fabio Jakobsen a chance mm. to show what he can do? And that's it. But the funny thing that's missing from that entire didn't mention, Mark. Like, didn't mention Mark Cavendish once. Because oh. as far as I remember, it was like, do you that take Jakobsen the, yeah. or do you take Cavendish? Take but yeah. Yeah. He doesn't even get mentioned. No, because Alaphilippe had already pulled out before then. That's how I remember. Yeah, he'd it already kind of a discussion. Yeah, no, it was it just was like, never, no, I don't want to do it because I'm not on form. Yeah. Yeah, he was injured yeah. and not so form. It feels like they've kind of fabricated that. They've totally fabricated they have. that. Because it's Julian Alaphilippe's French. And it's a French production. So they had oh, to kind of like yeah. put yeah. that in, but it didn't really play no, out like that. No, because that was not at all the story that happened. And also then they deal with Fabio. Yeah, so it sounds like I'm slamming them a bit. No, no. Does that have anything to do with Quickstep? And what they, how they wanted to tell the story and leave Cav out? Or is it purely Netflix? That's a production. A question. That's a production decision. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. 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 They can archi- okay. They're the architects of kind of what goes on on it. Yeah. I mean, you know, fair enough. They, I, I get the... But the Jacobson, production makes The Jacobson story's pretty good and like if you're telling yeah. a Netflix drama, that's a, that's a good story to tell. But yeah. they kind of... For me, they didn't tell that properly because we know the story. Oh, yeah, that's your that, point that out. We don't even know what the injuries were. Fabio Jacobson, they showed, quite appallingly, they showed the helicopter angle of his crash with Grunewagen at which the I've never Hulk, seen. which is yeah, just like because like, you, cause you, we all know how bad it is. Yeah. It's like, oh, I couldn't even watch, turned away. Mm. And yeah. then they they, sho- they showed a shot of him, uh, you know, being treated by the medics at, on the ground. But at no point did they say he he you know he he had facial re- reconstruction. Uh, he he yeah. was in a coma, mm, yeah, an induced coma it. for weeks. He nearly died yeah, was because weird. his yeah. um, skull was crushed to bits. And you know, like mm. it was. There's, there's, if you're going to tell a story, to kind of tell it properly. You know, so that's why. Yeah, because I, I mean, Fabio came from zero, less than zero, but there was never any explanation of what disclaimer i've only watched the first six minutes so maybe they go on to tell that oh, story possibly, yeah yeah 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it felt a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did say I did say I that did it was a micro review <laughs> of the first six seven minutes. Oh, by the way, this isn't <laughs> relevant at all. But there's a there's a review of um, Primal Scream's new album. Oh, you mentioned it's been this, doing yeah. the rounds recently, which I genuinely think is one of the funniest reviews I've ever read. I don't know much about Primal Scream. No, I can but they that. are they, this Guardian review just slams them, and it and it and it finishes with this like this line, right? It's worth reiterating that there is good music here. It's just that if you want to hear it, you have to endure being hectored by a man who gives every impression of being a thumping twit. <laughs> <laughs> a thumping twit. Thumping twit. Nice. It's very good. It's very good. Um, all right. Well, so take two of our podcast seems to be grinding to a halt. But um, uh, suffice to say, Pete, you're off to the baby Jiro. Talk, talk to us about that. <laughs> Really? Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you tell yeah, us about tomorrow. how Finn got, on, got on in the Alps? Uh, yeah, what you, you, what you missed, dear podcast listeners, was Pete basically got um, shouted at by the commissaires in the in the tour, the Isère. Oh, that story, yeah. where I yeah. last was, yeah. Okay, that was quite yeah. a good one as well. It is good. Well, go on, tell that one then. <laughs> With exactly right the then. same so. spontaneous <laughs> verve that you did last time. Tour of the Alps, final stage. <laughs> 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 no, it's not even Tour of the Alps. It's no, Alps, is anyway, is there? Yeah, is there? Is there? <laughs> anyway, Tour of no, it's not Tour of the Alps. Alps is there. Alps final is there. stage. Yeah. Um, yeah, Finn was our GC guy. He'd lost a couple of minutes due to crashes um, throughout the race. It was final stage. Talked about what sort of options he had in order to either ride GC or go for the stage win. Anyway, after 20k, hit the 4,300 metres of climbing throughout the day, 160 kilometres. Big. Long the stage was. Big, big day out. After 20k on the first first category climb, he decided to go solo. So it was around 20 seconds to a group of five and then maybe 50 into the peloton. And then all of a sudden we get over race radio. Um, Trinity, um, number 31, Finley Pickering, has a puncher. So... All systems go trying to get past this because what was left of, of the peloton, they're just not moving to the right, beeping the horn, get out of the way. I'm getting screamed at by riders left, right and centre. But I've literally got to get there, you know? Yeah. Um, it's all in the balance at this point. So then I finally get to him and straight away and with, with the mechanic, if we stop behind him, by the time you get the bike off the roof, he's on his, then he's on his spare bike. That's going to take between 20, 30 seconds if it's slow, you know? Yeah, max, and then he'll just be caught. So <laughs> I kind of just wung it and was like, "You're not supposed to pass the first rider um, of the race. Do you have the lead car in front?" But I was like, "What the heck? Whatever. It's a, it's a, it's a matter of life or death, isn't it?" So I fly past Finn and the mechanic. It's like, "Oh, try and get 200 meters up the road, you know, so I have a chance to get the bike off before he gets." And I'm like, mm, "I'm pretty much going to be on the wheel or bumper of." the literally leading car of the whole race. Oh, I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to do with that. the chief commissar. And then it's it's all coming back to me. I'm like, I definitely shouldn't be doing this now because I was like at the front of the race, you know? So I pull in, all goes amazing. Cycle cross, dismount, change. It's like nothing had ever happened. Next minute, the commissar's up to me, window down. What are you doing? What <laughs> are you doing? You do not pass your rider. But you Pete, should not ever be the lead car in the race. But Pete, how did you react? Did you go all like uh, apologetic? And oh, I didn't and know. Or did, yeah, oh, or, oh like, I didn't know. Or did you give some I back? literally 
sank into my seat and slowly wound up the window. <laughs> 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 Oh, I was. It was like being at school, you I know, bet. getting sent to the the head teacher's office. It's so funny. It's uh, so yeah. funny. Really, a, honestly, like as a rider, did you have that reaction to commissaires at all? Really? No, it's more antagonism yeah. when you're a rider. No, it's so it's completely different. Totally yeah. different relationship, right? Yeah. It's. Oh, completely. You just as a rider, David, you'd feel like you, you have the right away, don't you? Yeah. No matter, even if you're in the wrong, it's like I. What I you're like that right. mouthy kid at school who's not scared of the teachers when yeah, you're a bike yeah, exactly. rider and all of us are like that we're all mouthy kids yeah but then i guess in the car you're to... just it's completely like they are the teachers and mm. you are the pupils yeah. and they're there to keep you in line for yeah. and rightly so because they yeah. need to i'll always say a race with like strong and fair firm commissaires is better than a race where it's wild like some of the races in portugal where <laughs> loose you've got <laughs> team cars going up to the side of the peloton to tell their riders tactics and it's like what the heck is going on you know yeah. um so it's always better to have it that way but yeah. Yeah. live and learn live and learn ned but you got away with it so you didn't even get sanctioned so yeah i got away with it there's yeah. a deep respect there i've just noticed i've been looking at finn finn's um two things i've noticed about Finn. Yeah. just looking at his um pro cycling stats page one is i didn't know he'd come from the groupama ftj development squad to you so mm -hmm. he was with groupama yeah. They've got lots of British riders. Got like, mm. I don't know where they get yeah. them from, but anyway. Britain. Britain. Hull, in the case of Finn Pickering. Mm. And secondly, you didn't mention this, he only won the King of the Mountains at the race. On the last day, yeah. Level and he points. did, I, w I will mention it as we're talking about it, he did actually get fined, not fined, sanctioned two minutes um, for, or was it a minute? It was one minute or two on that stage for throwing a musette. Did he? Because oh. he... He he did the same apparently the day before, so oh right yeah yeah <laughs> not yeah. not ideal not yeah. ideal but then he'll probably never do that again so yeah. it's one of them it's hard though when you're in a race win and move fully focused on the job in hand and you get a musette off you know you've been out there on your own for a hundred k and twenty eight degrees and you grab a musette with bottles and you just ugh, probably hasn't even gave it two thoughts you know? yeah yeah you're not thinking yeah. straight are you it's not like you're throwing because i was taking gels rubbish because i was right behind him going up to it and taking it out of his back pocket but sometimes in musette you just it's not always that natural is it david to think no, oh i need not. to put this in my pocket to give back to the team car mm. especially if it still had one bottle in it or something you're just like right get my bottles get that gone get yeah, to be fair it's a lot it is a lot to think of. I was, I'm bewildered by it on the on behalf of the riders having to grapple with these rules. But you're right, the rules, and he's not going to make that mistake again, is he? Probably. Yeah. Um, Enric Mass lost 20 seconds at the hands of the commissaires after the time trial yesterday. Did he? Four. His team car, his DS, was driving too, too close, close to the back of him. Huh. Oh yeah, naughty. So that's like that's a bit annoying if you're the rider, isn't it? Yeah, guys. Thanks. Yeah. Here's me. I've just done the time trial, and now you've added another twenty seconds. Great. That's, that's um not cool. But there's no other way of going about it. You have to sanction the rider, mm -hmm. don't you? If that's been the infringement, it's or you can find the the. He got fined the, as, well. as it, well. I always, I, it, I guess it's to his advantage that yeah. he's riding closer. But exactly. That's what the the one worry I did have when I did that move because it was a bit stupid of me. <laughs> um, that Finn would get obviously sanctioned for it, but he didn't. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Got away with it. All right, Pete. 
David. All in a day's work. Dave, Me Kenya yeah. goes to Alpazet. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy Italy, Pete. We might check. I might check well in with you sometime during the race, and we'll do a pod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Please. Bye. Do. Ciao. Bye. Bye. Ciao. Arrivederci. <laughs>